Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is the 16th dose, and it's called Which One to Choose? Which is maybe a question. Which one? Which one? Hmm, which one? Which one to choose? Thank you for listening. Welcome to the show. Or, I don't know if it's a show. It's a, um, amusing, a, it's like a one-sided conversation. And if you'd like to have the your side of the conversation, I always love hearing from you if you're listening and what you think of these episodes. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and I'm making these episodes because I like celebrating and pointing out and noticing the poetic nature of everyday existence, the metaphors and the phrases that we might encounter in maybe normal life, and just kind of poking around or investigating a little bit, and hopefully shedding some light on otherwise maybe forgotten or overlooked corners of our psyches, our homes, our experience. And I hope that in my sharing some of my discoveries with you, they will be interesting and helpful on your journey. I'm making this particular episode because I was having a hard time deciding what topic to talk about this week. So then I thought, well, let's just get a little bit meta and talk about how to decide things. And so that's uh, where we're going today. So which one to choose? I want to share with you some of the ways I decide things. Um, In a given day, we have so many choices. You may have heard of this concept of like, um, like possibility exhaustion or, um, choice exhaustion, just like the, the way we can get really overwhelmed and even, t- oh, fatigue is the other word in there, like um, option fatigue, especially in modern North American or um, probably European life as well, just sort of quote modern living. We are, we have so many options. We have almost limitless options uh, even in times when our options may seem limit, limited as far as travel or congregating or things that aren't open the way we're used to, um, still the options before us are immense. The number of clothes in your closet is so many more than most people have lived with for most of history. Like, you have immense options of what, what to wear. You can... What, what podcast to listen to? Like, why did you choose to listen to this one? Even if you decided to listen to Magic for Realists, now you have 16 doses to choose from. So why did you choose this one? And all the songs you could listen to, the the people you could date, the food you could eat, the religions you could follow, like you have so many options. This can get really, um, yeah, overwhelming. The, the question of like, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up used to be pretty straightforward. Like you were probably going to be what your parent was, you know, if you, if you, you're probably just going to follow in the family lineage. And now there are so many options. We are inventing constantly these, even, you know, the new niches of what we're, what careers are available and where to live. We inhabit so much of the planet that we didn't, um, as fully, like there's just so many more humans. And so the, the options of where to live, uh, I think you get the gist. We have so many choices. 
in a given day, what are you going to do, listen to, be, say? Um, so how do we make these decisions? How do you choose between options? And so I want to give you a few of the ways I decide and, and see if they're helpful. And yeah, there's a, I think it's a Russian phrase, um, of, it's like a, one of a Russian wise phrase, um, that decisions can be made in seven breaths. The, and that idea being that we often like overthinking something doesn't necessarily give us a wiser answer. And I like the idea of breaths because breathing is this way. Whew, I'll just take a deep breath myself. Breathing is a way to arrive in our bodies and in the moment and like we're always breathing becoming aware of our breath I should say is a way to um, notice what's happening in our mind and our bodies and that alone I think helps us to make better decisions better in that we might uh, reflect on them later and think they were they were wise or helpful or kind Uh, that's I think how I would qualify better decisions. Um, it, it could be maybe stated that there are so many options we we so many decisions we need to make that don't actually have a wrong option. Most of the time, you know, the what you choose to wear or eat are within reason, probably not super consequential. And and yet farther, there's this interesting relationship between what we do decide. And what we think we don't decide, like what we think has been decided for us, perhaps by our family or our culture or our gender or our socioeconomic status, the, there are what, what we have to choose among is, uh, is different for different people. Okay, breath. So taking a breath is helpful when making a decision. And one of the ways I make decisions is by giving myself time to make the decision. So this is especially useful, for example, if you're asked by somebody else if you want to do something, maybe with them or a commitment to help, or if you're interested in something. And you may feel that uh, it requires a response right away, that you know, they ask, you need to answer. And I've kind of trained myself to tell, like, to get my, to have my answer be when I will give an answer. So to say, oh, like, thank you for asking. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Or uh, sometimes it's more urgent. Like, oh, yeah, what do I want for dinner? Um, Just give me a second. Somehow inserting a pause so that I have time to actually be present to my decision instead of just um, kind of responding to the pressure. That balanced with this Russian idea that maybe with seven calm breaths, we actually do know the answer of what we want to decide. <laughs> so you can kind of feel like this is almost like two different pieces of advice. One, like deciding quickly can give you a good answer and 
the other one, try and try and give yourself time to make the decision. You can probably feel in different instances when those are useful. But um, learning that you don't have to respond to people right away and that you can give yourself time to make a decision is really helpful to me. There's been times when I've been a lot more nomadic than I am now, like traveling around a lot more and um, having options from day to day and week to week where I lived or slept or traveled, and which required daily deciding whether I was going to, you know, get up and go or stay. Sometimes it was required I had to be somewhere or another, and or I was outstaying my welcome or whatever. But often I had options about whether to physically travel or not and which direction. Sometimes the options in front of me of where to go next were quite varied. And so in those cases, I would kind of do almost like a a visioning, imagining process of where I was. I I can see maps in my head quite easily and I like knowing where I am in, in space and geography. So I would still myself and picture a map of my options in geography as to the places I could go and position myself on the map where I currently was. And then, usually with my eyes closed, I would just try and feel if I was kind of leaning in one direction, like almost as if I was standing on the ground and gravity had tilted or I was getting blown over like a... a, a flag or a tree like tilted ever so slightly trees I guess over years of being tilted but whether I was just either leaning or getting pulled in a certain direction or sometimes it's like repulsed by another direction just this almost like a bodily sensation if I pictured myself on the map where that was drawing me and I would imagine kind of starting out moving in a certain direction and feel if that felt like easeful and happy or if I was kind of like like hesitant and then imagine going the other direction and it's almost like if I was water like where was the the downhill (laughs) where was the downhill path where's the stream want to flow uh and I I think this technique works also for um other choices that aren't geographic if you can kind of place them in your mind on one side or the other and and enter some stillness you might be able to feel a pull or a repulsion towards one or the other it could be towards an activity or a person yeah I found that helpful when I was um, living on a sailboat we were also having to decide, you know, whether to move or stay. And sometimes that was dictated by the weather and the wind and the tides. And about probably five months into our journey, which had been a lot of staying in places for longer than we expected and some movement, we, this is me and my boyfriend at the time, we uh, encountered another couple who were living on their sailboat much more peaceably than we were. And I could just tell right away, I'm like, oh, these are like older, wiser, way more have their shit together than we do. Like, you know, their boat's in better shape, their relationship is in better shape. 
And I, we didn't overlap with them for that long, but we were sharing a kind of a, a refuge for a while in the middle of the winter. And um, I thought, what do I want to glean from these people? It's rare to encounter somebody, you know, living on a boat as a couple in the winter. I Before I recommend it, I would give a lot of disclaimers. Um, so I wanted, it was like a rare chance to, to gain some insight. And one of the questions I asked them was, how do you decide? How do you decide things bet- like between the two of you about say where to go or just all these things? Where, how do you decide? And their answer has stuck with me. They said, um, and I'm sure this is not an idea just to them and, uh, encountered people who've encountered it in other places, but it was memorable to me to learn it from these other sailors. And, uh, they said, we, we ask ourselves who feels more strongly. Um, and that rarely do we feel equally strongly in opposite directions. And I found that question really helpful, especially in close or intimate relationships of, when when there's a difference of opinion it uh of just taking a moment and asking myself and the other person and and even discussing together who feels like asking oh do you feel strongly about that sometimes somebody will give a position and they just sort of they don't actually care as much as you and sometimes we can be surprised by our own caring you know you could you could be discussing what you're going to have for dinner and you have two different ideas. And then you're like, oh, well, which one are we going to choose? If you if you ask the next question, oh, well, do you feel strongly about your choice? The person might say, oh, no, no, it's just like the first thing that came to mind. Or they might say, oh, yeah, like I really, really want to make this dish. And so that second question, do you feel strongly? It could be, um, for example, like say, you would like a family member to join you for a special event and they're kind of not really wanting to because they have something else going on. If if one of you asks the next, que- next question, do you feel strongly about it? You may learn that it's actually really important that you go to the event or you might equally learn that they just thought they had to ask you and it's not really that important. Um, and I love the phrasing, do you feel strongly? Uh, because when we, I, I, feelings are so much more a part of our experience and happiness and whether we regret things or not, than we might, uh, give credit to. Often we say like, oh, I I think I'll just, I think, I think, I think, I think, and we're making most of our decisions on feelings. From my understanding, we feel things and then we often back them up with logic so asking the the question, do you feel strongly, seems accurate to what we're actually basing a lot of our decisions on, or that our feelings have so much weight in the decisions. So try asking that second question of yourself, or especially in relationship to somebody else who feels more strongly. And uh, there's a beautiful feeling if you don't get what you chose but you know that the other person feels more strongly than you, I find it really relaxing. Like I'm able to give up my desire more easily. Like if it's just a tie, 
I feel like I've lost if I don't get my way. (laughs) But if I know that the other person felt more strongly, then I feel like, um, I feel better. Maybe it's even like, like, I just feel like it was worth not getting what I wanted. Um, it's easier then and it feels more, um, helpful. Uh, okay. Other ways to decide. I've had a hard time deciding what to wear when my mom remarks that when I was little, choosing outfits was one of the most stressful things for me. And I think now, well, I have a lot of ideas as to why that was stressful. In short, I think it was also connected to me really needing to be physically comfortable and some clothes not feeling good. And also wrestling with my first understanding of what was like acceptable and in my family and you know my my school and my church and and what I actually wanted I think that was really conflicting to me because I wanted to be loved so much and accepted that that clouded my ability to tell what I wanted like me what I wanted to wear and and so when I it came to choosing in the morning what to put on it was like that was that was where those voices um manifested into a physical problem like where i i would be struggling between what i thought i should wear what i thought my mom wanted me to wear what i thought society would think i looked cute in and what i actually felt good and and liked and i can i have such i'm putting my hand on my heart as i say this like this kind of compassionate care for the little girl of me I was so wanting to, wanting to care about, like, I've always loved clothes and cared about how they feel and what they look like and, and how they, how they make me feel when I wear them. And yeah, I was, I cared about that so early and then all the conflicting voices of how to choose what to wear. And I notice that I still sometimes have, uh, days when I don't know what to wear especially if I'm feeling at all kind of nervous like if I'm you know going to meet somebody that I haven't met before or it's a new situation and and I or a different experience where I I'm feeling some kind of nervousness that will often express itself in in a difficulty deciding what to wear and I decide that well sometimes I'm actually physically trying on the clothes and then I'll just not, it's almost like it just doesn't feel like it fits right in my skin. And so I'm deciding on comfort, but it's more than, like it also is comfort as far as not too tight, not too loose, not too cold, not too warm. Um, But also a comfort in like, this suits me and suits the occasion. And when I land that in a way that really suits, then I feel great. So sometimes in making decisions, if we can distinguish um, some of the voices that might be playing in our heads, telling us one thing or the other, we may be able to notice the kind of the choir. No, it's not a choir. It's like the the peanut gallery, I think is the phrase that my mom would use. Um, I don't know where the peanut gallery sits. Anyways, the, the voices that are like, you know, sort of like the audience, but they're giving their opinion. Um, trying to distinguish 
those voices from my own can help me make a decision that I feel more um, suitable, like it really suits me and the circumstance, and that then I feel more comfortable and happy and for longer, even if it's just like an outfit for all day. And and that's a fine-tuning process over time. You know, I'll try things out that realize after wearing them, oh, this really doesn't suit me. Or that didn't suit the occasion. I didn't feel like appropriately dressed, which is a good feeling as far as social ease goes. Another way I make decisions is by talking it through with other people. And I notice that I... One of the, so if you back up from this, I, I make decisions by talking it through with other people. And part of what I, the shape of my decision is already being formed in who I choose to talk to about the decision. So this is the part I want to point out because it's kind of like the layer underneath. That you probably, especially in like medium to large decisions, because um, we don't, often talk about the small ones with several people at once or like several we don't run it by multiple people it would be kind of exhausting but the medium to large decisions hopefully you have kind of a a posse of people that you can run things by and and that they'll ask you questions or hopefully give advice only if it's solicited but um often just what we end up saying and what they ask us back we get a lot of information about angles on the decision we might not have thought of and our own responses. But I also want to point out that who you choose to talk to about the decision is already part of the information. For example, somewhere you probably know, maybe you're you're trying to decide which job to take, let's imagine. And you know that your best friend is is, you know, probably going to think it's a great idea. And your uncle is probably going to encourage you to do something else. Like you haven't asked them yet, but but you can kind of, you know, sort of imagine the conversation. So you may find yourself only talking to your uncle because you already kind of want to be dissuaded from the job. Do you see what I mean? And so noticing who you are hesitant, like of the people who are, you know, Um, helpful influences and good listeners and you would generally consider wise who you are hesitant to talk to run through the decision with is already information about maybe corners of the decision you don't want to think about or the decision you've already made and you just haven't admitted to yourself you've made Um, so I want to point out that that I make decisions by talking to other people but part of what I've already decided is in who to who to talk through the, the decision with. Um, so I've started to notice what that already tells me about my um, process and my uh, the almost like the decision before I've decided. Uh, okay, I think I got one more, and it's a little bit of a sort of side thing, which is. What's coming to mind is when I'm cooking onions and I'm about to make supper. <laughs> so, like, how do you decide what to cook? And some people really decide a lot beforehand. Like, they might have decided before they even went to the grocery store, which sometimes I do. 
And sometimes, well, I very, very rarely follow a recipe. And, but sometimes I haven't even decided what I'm making when I start to cook. <laughs> so I, I will, you know, start, basically, if you don't know what to cook, just start by frying onions. Because so many meals take fried onions and it already sm- makes the kitchen smell good. And if you're cooking for somebody else, they really think you're up to something delicious. And you just hope they don't come over at that moment and say, oh, what are you cooking for supper? And then I have this, you know, like, don't worry, I got it together. Just it's a surprise or something. Because actually, it's even a surprise to me because I don't yet know what I'm making. Let me tell you some delicious things have emerged from that. Um, So this is to point out that we often don't need to decide all the pieces before we start. Um, It's comes down to kind of creative style and different ways of doing things, but um, not knowing exactly what you're going to do and not having the full decision doesn't mean you don't have, you can't start. Um, You can start frying onions. If you don't know what to wear, sometimes I start with the one thing I do know. I'm like, okay, well, I need to wear some socks. (laughs) So let's put on the socks. Or I know I want to definitely wear this sweater. Okay, great. And then you sort of build the rest around it. If you're feeling any kind of like paralysis on decisions, there's usually a corner of it or a little element of it that you can decide. And if we can get comfortable with with not knowing and not deciding everything, um, I believe we can actually move through life with more ease and grace because the variables are always changing. So if you hold your decisions really firmly, you may be missing out on a lot of the other opportunities that have actually kind of come along midstream. So a flexibility to be able to modify our decisions as we go can be really useful, especially as the, you know, if you think of career paths, like I brought up before, when, when people like, it's okay if you don't know, quote, what you want to be when you grow up. Whatever age you are now, if you don't know what you want to be 10 years from now, that's fine. Because chances are the whole world is going to look different anyways. So the thing you think you might want now, you might might not exist. You might not want it anymore then. And so we might be stressing out on a lot of decisions that even if we thought we landed on them, it's like, the landing pad would be would be sinking and changing underneath our feet anyways. So we may actually have to decide way less than we think. That, uh, you know, you might, you might have a plan for dinner and then somebody, you know, arrives right then to see you. That doesn't happen very often these days. But anyway, something surprising happens and you can't make what you wanted anyways or you ran out of that ingredient. This is the dinner example is very small. My point is that um, we we can start along the path before we have the whole decision like tied up in wraps because that's probably a false illusion anyways that we we may never have the the there may never be an end to the decision because the variables keep changing and so this being able to decide along the way and, you know, be flexible and, um, 
move move as we go uh, can be really useful and being being adaptable in our decision making um, can bring a lot of unexpected surprises and ease and flexibility which I feel are really um, useful traits to living a happier more useful fun existence so how do I decide what podcast topic to talk about from week to week? I was asked this recently. How do you decide? <laughs> and today I was having trouble deciding what to talk about. So I took a sort of, you know, creative left turn on that one and decided to talk about how I decide things. I hope you've enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. If you have, I would love if you have listened, I mean, or have enjoyed it. I would love to know you listened. And I would love it if you came and said hi. You can do so either on Instagram at Magic for Realists, or you can leave a voice note at the end of this podcast, just a quick hello. You can also get in touch with me through the podcast website, which is magicforrealists.ca. And on there, you can also find um, out a bit more about me and ways to support the show if you feel like tangibly clapping. Uh, I'd really appreciate that. And of course, if you share this with other people who you think maybe they're having a hard time deciding something, um, and if you can't decide who to send it to, <laughs> why not just send it to everybody that you think? No need to really, uh, you can just cast a broad net. And one of the things I love about podcasts is that you also get to decide which one to listen to and which one of these doses to listen to. You get to decide whether to listen to it all the way through and, uh, yeah, it's kind of this interesting lopsided freedom. I get to decide what to talk about. You get to decide whether to listen, even though it's not happening at the same time. So yeah, the, those are my musings for today. Thank you for listening. And I'd also appreciate if you reviewed and subscribed to this show so that other people have more likelihood of finding it and being able to choose it. So thank you for that in advance. And so I hope that until next week, you have fun with your decisions. You notice what's happening and maybe try out some of these techniques or other ones. If you find some helpful ones that you want to share with me back, that'd be great. And I hope you enjoy the magic of the real world in all your decisions. Bye for now.